It doesn't happen overnight. You got to stay consistent with it. But that's really what this all comes down to is the ability to step up and start leading. And over time, this ripple effect will start to occur and you'll be able to positively inspire and influence more and more people. And then they will inspire and influence more and more people. That is how you build a culture of performance. How is it going, ladies and gentlemen? This is Sean Barnes. I want to welcome you back to The Way of the Wolf. I decided to start a little bit of a series on things that I learned in oil and gas that will translate over to other businesses and industries. I don't know why, but the first thing that came to mind is how to deal with a massive ego. Yeah, so this is a real issue in all business industries and verticals. And I have seen more instances than I care to count where someone with a massive ego just completely destroyed a team and sometimes even an entire business because they would not listen to the people on their team. Not a good situation. So to start off, I'm going to share a little story. About a year and a half ago, I joined a conference call. Well, I guess it was really more of a webinar where a company that focuses on leadership development was talking through how to build teams and culture and things like that. The owner of the company that was hosting the webinar opened the call and started talking about who he was his business had been around for 20 years and how he had saved his company or his customers millions of dollars and on and on and on. And he spent the first 15 minutes of this one hour webinar talking about how great he was and how great his company was. It finally got to a point where I just dropped off because I wasn't really there to listen to how great his company was or how great he was because I wanted to actually learn something. So I dropped off the call, but that always stuck with me. Shockingly, this was a company that focused on leadership development and building cultures of performance. And like, I was very confused by, by the whole situation, but it, it stuck with me a year, year and a half later, and I still can't forget. I remember the guy's name, but only because I'm never going to want to do business with him. So whenever we start talking about ego, everyone that's watching this or listening to this has experienced a boss or a business leader that had a massive ego that they just, they were a pain in the ass, quite frankly. And the problem is that ends up creating a culture where people on the team, they just, they do the bare minimum, they do what they're told, but they're not going to go above and beyond or not very likely to go above and beyond. Someone with a massive ego is likely going to struggle to realize that it is a challenge or an issue for them. So what does that mean? That means peers and other people usually lower in the chain of command have to figure out how to lead up and coach and 
guide this person to realize that they have an ego that is just destroying the company or team. So I'm going to talk through five different things that you can do as a leader in your organization to lead up or lead across to help people realize that their ego could be creating some pretty big issues and challenges for the team. I also have to point out that, yes, this is not going to be easy. Anytime you have to lead up the chain of command, it, it's going to be scary. And there's, there's really no way around that. However, if you start getting practice and doing it more and more and getting the reps in, as with building any muscle, you will gradually start to get better. And you will start to get more comfortable with leading up the chain of command and trying to inspire and influence and help people become better. First thing you got to do is build rapport and trust with that person. If you don't have it, that is the foundation. You can't really affect that much change unless there is trust. And I'm flashing back to a manager of mine years ago that, man, this dude, his ego was, I don't know how he got his head through the door. It was just crazy how highly this person thought of, of himself. Really nice guy, fun to talk to, great personality, but my God, his ego was massive. After the first year, actually it wasn't even a year, whenever we sat down and he gave me my first performance review, the only feedback he had was, Sean, we get along really well. And I paused and thought, surely that's not it. That's the feedback that you have for my performance review. Now, um, that is a topic for another day. That's not what you do whenever you're giving a performance review with an employee. I mean, yes, maybe that's something that you can share with them, but you got to elaborate. In any event, what I find so comical is this person was the bane of my existence. He was a pain in my ass. He was a pain in the ass to all of my peers, his other employees who were all vice presidents. He was a pain in the ass to a lot of people in the organization. And what I found interesting about that is when we sat down for him to give me my performance review, that was his perception of me. I pause because that is something that's very important for you to consider. It doesn't matter how much you dislike or distrust or are frustrated with your boss or leader. If they think that y'all have a great relationship, it is going to allow you to affect change. It is going to allow you to inspire and influence. Now, it didn't end up working out. That person ended up moving on, no longer part of the organization, which kind of is inevitable with some situations and instances. In any event, the big takeaway there is when you start building that rapport and trust and take the time to understand who is this person? What does their family look like? What are the things that motivate and inspire them? What do they enjoy doing? Actually, for Christmas that year, I got him a little desk gift that that meant a lot to him. 
I had to check my own ego and think, why am I buying a gift for this man that is the bane of my existence? But I did it because that's what the team needed. And that's what the company needed for us to be able to move forward and make progress. Didn't matter how much I disliked him or distrusted him. I needed his buy-in and support to be able to move things across the finish line and make progress with my teams. So I did what I had to do. I had to check my own ego and, and have those conversations and build that trust and rapport with him. It ended up working out pretty well. Next thing I want to talk about is choosing your battles wisely. If you find yourself in a situation where it's just issue after issue after issue after problem after problem after problem, where your boss just continues to make short-sighted decisions, irrational, illogical decisions, and it's very frustrating for you, for your team to get conflicting direction and guidance just based on the whims that they're experiencing, you have to be the one to bring structure to the conversation. You also have to make sure that when choosing the battles that you are engaging in, that they are meaningful and impactful for the organization and for the team. If they get all worked up and want to use a different type of printer paper, for example, in the grand scheme of things, does that really matter? No, it doesn't. You might save a couple of pennies or save some cost here or there. It doesn't really matter. But if they want to terminate three people on the team and replace it with some sort of technology solution, that's high impact. And the reality is that person probably doesn't know what the downstream ramifications are going to be for that decision. It is your responsibility to make sure that you have that conversation and you lay everything out very clearly and concisely so that they truly understand what goes on and what will occur, which is a perfect segue into the next item. So number three, you have to be able to provide data and evidence on what you are talking about. Someone with a massive ego, they are still going to have a hard time ignoring facts and data. If you can present a logical case and bring all of your information together and say, hey, this is a really bad decision. We need to do this because if we do it this way, this, 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 and this will occur. Whether you show that we've tried that in the past and it didn't work Whatever information you come to the table with, make sure that it is accurate and paints a very clear picture for them to understand. Now, if you've already built the trust that we talked about earlier, it does make it a little bit easier for you to bring this data and information to the table and then be more receptive to it. But make sure that you've got all your ducks in a row and you're bringing information that is important and relevant to the conversation that will kind of help get them to a better place. When you bring the data and logic and facts to the table, don't just throw all this information out there without having some sort of a solution to the problem. And this actually goes for everybody. If you are struggling with something and you go to your manager or supervisor, make sure that you've got a solution. Don't just go to them and complain, hey, we've got this problem, what do I do? 
take a little bit of time, make sure you understand what the problem is and how to solve it. Take it to your manager and say, here's the situation. I've got this problem. I've narrowed it down. We can do this or this. I'm kind of leaning into route B here and here's why, but I want your thoughts and perspective. That's just good practice. So make sure that whenever you come to the conversation that you're bringing solutions and not just coming up and, and complaining. Last thing I want to focus on is really having allies and support. Now, this doesn't mean that you gang up on the boss that has a massive ego, but you do want to create alignment. This also gives you the opportunity to check yourself and make sure that you are thinking clearly. So if you have four or five peers in your team, solicit their feedback, get their perspective on it, or even other peers in the business that you respect and trust and admire, bounce ideas off of them. When there is alignment across all of your team and your peers, and you go to manager John and have this difficult conversation, and then all of a sudden, Jason goes to manager John and has a similar conversation. And then Sally goes to John and has a difficult or similar conversation. There's multiple touch points and a, a trend or theme will start to emerge that no matter how big their ego is, they will not be able to ignore it. So create that alignment you can't go at this in an accusatory or attacking fashion, but if there is that alignment, that can help move the needle in the right direction. And I've had conversations with people that will respond back to this type of guidance and say, well, that's kind of manipulative and playing politics, and I'm just, you know, I'm above that. Okay, well, you can be above that, and then not get anything across the finish line and not support your team and not make meaningful progress in the business. Or you can learn how to navigate through these challenging situations and conversations so that you can affect change at scale. You can have a greater impact on the company, on your team and the business and helping everybody achieve the things that they are looking to achieve once you know how to navigate through these types of situations. All right. So I think those are the big things that I wanted to touch on today, really building rapport and trust, choosing your battles wisely, provide data and evidence, offering solutions, and then seeking allies and support. Whenever you tie all of this stuff together, it helps you become a better leader. It doesn't matter if you're having to lead up or your peers or down in your organization. All of this is about becoming a stronger leader and building a culture of performance. And you could say, Sean, well, I'm just one man. How can I affect change at scale? Well, if you're able to get that manager, John, with a massive ego to actually listen and start making some decisions that are better for the organization as a whole, as opposed to what's best for manager, John and his bonus, that's how you start to affect change at scale. And it becomes a ripple effect because if you can inspire and influence someone like that, 
And then they can start turning around and having a, a better impact on the organization. That's how it happens. And it doesn't happen overnight. You got to stay consistent with it. But that's really what this all comes down to is the ability to step up and start leading. And over time, this ripple effect will start to occur and you'll be able to positively inspire and influence more and more people. And then they will inspire and influence more and more people. That is how you build a culture of performance. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's all I have for this topic today. As always, please like, subscribe, leave a review. That would actually mean the world to me. I don't sell anything. I'm not doing this to make any money. I really am just trying to help people out. So if you could take 30 seconds, write the show, share it with a friend, it could possibly positively impact the lives of others. That's all I got, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much, and y'all have a good day.